in another week, another podcast for Sergio and the Vet. Sergio, what's going on, brother? Hey, yo, another day at the office, dude. Yeah. Um, they haven't shut the office down due to uh, COVID concerns or anything? Oh, not us, man. We uh, we stay open uh, year-round. Oh. Well, that's you don't even get holidays <laughs> off, or is this nothing? Uh, good question. I don't, know. I don't know what day Christmas falls on this year, but we'll we'll figure something out. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we got a lot to. Uh, I, I think we got a lot of content this week. We'll see if we can cram it in under two hours for a change. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we usually start off with the news. Do we have any news this week? Not a whole lot. Kind of a dry week. Uh, I guess you think you mentioned something about Noah and DDT merging. Oh, uh, yeah. So um, I suppose that uh, DDT, which is the promotion that you would know from the blow up doll matches Kenny Omega used to have. And uh, it's, that, it's funny because in my head, when I, when I, in my head as you were talking, I was actually envisioning Kenny Omega and the blow up doll. I wasn't even sure if that was DDT, but so that's, yeah, it was in my subconscious. That is actually, yes, that, that is them. They, it was like, they had their own, um, like the the blow up doll was its own. Like uh, I think the blow up doll was a champion in the company, actually. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it had a big fan following. But yeah, so them and Pro Wrestling Noah, which was the company that um, uh, Misawa left All Japan to found back in two thousand, and he took like. 24 of the 26 contracted guys from all Japan went with him. So I think that's why they called it Noah. Cause it's like, he took the Ark and he floated it over oh. there with all the wrestlers. Um, and, and nice. so, yeah, so they've been, you know, doing their own thing for a while, but let's face it. Every Japanese company that's not new Japan is kind of struggling if they're trying to be big. So I guess the idea here of, of this merger is to compete with and surpass New Japan in popularity. Uh, I'll just say right now, that's not going to happen um, because just the fact that you feel like, you know, you need to have a merger, um, just it, it shows you like you're not you're not strong enough to do it on your own. And if you could have done it on your own, you wouldn't have needed any help. And if you didn't need any help, you would have been able to take over New Japan on your own. So it's like, I don't know, it's the same thing like anybody says, like, we want to compete with the WWE. We want, you know, anybody that wants to compete with the big dog and then, you know, it, it just never ends up well, even for WCW, who did it for a time. And look how that ended. So I guess you, you'd have to almost have to like, what, you know, get Okada and get like a Tanahashi, you know, it, all those guys to, I guess. You know what I mean? Like to compete, wouldn't 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 that be the yeah, scenario? You'd have to, yeah, you'd have to do that. But I don't even know if that. I mean, I don't think that can be done. You know, I, I think they're too. It's different over there. They're they're more. They're like a little bit more loyal, I would think. And it's not like yeah, if I you're already that. in the number one, that that'd be like try. You know, no one's gonna lure them away with money, because if you you can't afford it, you know, you're not the you're not New Japan, so. I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, that's what they feel like they want to do. And uh, and so they're calling this new company Cyber Fight. But it's very confusing because on the one hand, um, they're, they're talking about like it's a merger, like a business, like they're all coming together under one thing. But then I'm also seeing where they're saying that 
they're going to continue running the promotions independently, but just under the same, you know, uh, parent company. So is that like, what is that? Which, which one is it? I don't know. Um, if, if, if they're just saving financial burden by, you know, having one actual, uh, main parent company that finances all these shows rather than them having to individually do it and they can pool their resources and do, you know, like maybe do crossover promotions and stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, we'll just have to see, but, um, yeah, I, I doubt that it's gonna, you know, approach anywhere near the popularity of new Japan. So Japan, so just to clarify, so Japan, they do have crowds and they are running shows, right? Do you know the rules of the crowds? Like, do they have to like sit apart? Like, do like you know different groups? Do can they sit next to each other? Or like, do you, do you know the rules at all? I don't know the I don't know the rules top to bottom. I just know what I've seen and what you've seen. I mean, you can see like when you watch the um, Dominion match, you saw where the people were sitting. You yeah. know, they're spaced apart. You know, they're wearing their masks. They're they're not they're trying not to cheer vocally, so there's a lot of applause. Uh so I mean those those are the main ones. There may there may be others. And I also don't know if any other companies are running shows besides New Japan yet. They may be the only and first ones. They're actually if you really look at it, New Japan is the first company to run any shows like normal. To have yeah. actual ha- real fan in any in any sport too like we're just starting sports here with a little bit of baseball and basketball and stuff like that but there's no fans allowed and wrestling's been using you know wrestlers and family members of wrestlers not real fans the new japan is the first sport to have any actual paying fans there and um they, they've got some stuff scheduled through august so apparently Everything's going okay so far. Speaking of shows, Alvarez made a comment on Twitter about if WWE can put SummerSlam on a cruise ship, that would be awesome. Did you hear anything on that? No. Okay. So I think I realized why I like the AEW show better is they're outdoors. It has a more of a bigger arena feel as opposed to Raw and SmackDown and NXT where it's clearly in a small little building. I don't know. It's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if WWE wants to change up their their scene, like maybe make it more like maybe outdoors or something. I don't know. I think they do, and especially for SummerSlam, it's got to be something different, you know, yeah. because that 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 one room is just getting real tired. Um, yeah, not only not only is it just that room, but there's nothing fresh about it. Like they don't do anything to really change it up and make it fresh. And they're, t- they're taping a bunch of stuff at once, which that always feels like. Even back in the days, you know, like, dude, when I was a kid, um, they taped like, I was at a TV taping. It was like four hours. Um, and it just gets old, you know, like, and you can tell when you watch it back on TV, it's old. Uh, you know, like, um, it's just, you, you just know when stuff is taped, it just doesn't have that same feel to it. And whether you have crowds or not. And so that's kind of the same deal here that we're running into because it's essentially the same thing. There's really nothing better about AEW's crowd or WWE's crowd. It's the same group of the rest of the wrestlers that aren't wrestling on the show. 
or even yeah. sometimes when they are like the young bucks will be sitting out there uh at least the wwe doesn't put their stars in the crowd but either way like when you're watching the match and you hear the crowd it doesn't sound appreciably different you know whether it's AEW or wwe but what it looks like is exactly what you said you you got this outdoor venue it gives the feeling of like you know it's just more open and fresh and you know Plus, and you can see so whoever you can see some of the AEW staff or whatever there there's you can see them in the back too so it's like um you know like far away you know yeah 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 so i mean if it, yeah if it even goes to that but but the idea is um you know i i, w- I would say if they can do something different for SummerSlam, do it um there's you know whatever, whatever they want to do but uh i don't know it's it's um it's a it's a it's a challenge i, I wouldn't want to be in there i mean i you know we already said it a bunch of times i would just shut the whole thing down and figure it out later but they're not gonna do that no um, well i guess uh whether tv contracts require from what i understand fresh new new content uh weekly or else it could be a breach of contract and they can lose it yeah, I guess, but then again, you know, can you really hold somebody to that if it's not? It, it, I would think that stuff would only be, you know, applicable if it was uh, just normal situations. I think this is definitely an exception. So, you know, they could they could channels like USA or Fox have plenty of things they could put reruns on in this place if they had to. Or even the WWE could be like, "Hey, just air this." So they they air pay per views on FS1 all the time, so they could do that on the other thing. But you know, that's not what they're doing. Um, they are doing shows, so that's an irrelevant point. Um, speaking of speaking of deals, um, you know, MLW has a new deal that they signed with a company called Digital Original Entertainment or DOE, which is. It's a standalone streaming service on Pluto TV. Um, so I guess that sounds like an oxymoron or a paradox or whatever it is that doesn't make sense. Like, are you a standalone streaming service or are you on Pluto TV? It seems like those are two different things. So, so yeah, so I guess uh, MLW was working with BN Sports. I don't know if that's going to be affected. Or if they're not with BN Sports anymore. Or how does this affect the YouTube show? Are they still going to be able to put their episodes on YouTube? Or is this now... Because I, I guarantee you more people watch YouTube than watch whatever the hell this thing is that I've never heard of called dis- Digital Original Entertainment. So, But they may be willing to pay more than YouTube you know, is. So it could be... A, I, wonder, could, I wonder how they pay. With ads or something, I guess? I don't know. I, I mean, with YouTube, it's just like, you know, the ads, you, you monetize with ads and stuff like that. That's its own thing. But you might be able to pay more. You might you might be able to pay more if you're, you know, an original. If you're if you're a channel like like DOE, you might be able to pay uh, more to MLW. But is that going to are they going to be less viewers? I don't know. I guess I guess money's more important. But if nobody's watching, uh, this is this is why I'm not in that part of the business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. So, are they uh, are they going to be taping any new shows soon? 
That's a, that's another thing I don't know. I mean, I remember them saying they had programming that can get them up to 2021, but not obviously new, you know, new programming, but they said they had a contingency plan, but I don't know what the hell that means. Um, sounds kind of suspect if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Huh. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Man, I think I think that's it. That's pretty pretty dry week. Okay. You want to talk about uh, Adam Cole's appearance on Pat McAfee's uh, podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, right, so I only saw. So it was it was a long show, a couple hours it seemed like, but. I only saw the last 14 minutes, which is what I sent you, and that's where they started having their uh, their their heated argument, if you will. So was Adam Cole on the whole episode, or was he just, you know, toward the end? I don't know. It seems like maybe just towards the end, because the last 14 minutes that I watched, he was kind of going over explaining what NXT is in comparison to Raw and SmackDown. And that's when I realized, okay, this isn't really a WWE-affiliated show. Because I didn't know Pat McAfee had a show. And then he was kind of going over who Adam Cole is and his accolades and his, and his history with independent wrestling and whatnot. So, so I think he might just been on towards the end. Okay, and then tell the people what happened for those who didn't see it. So it, it, um, it's a really good interview. You know, whether or not it's a shooter or work, it's probably a work. But um, nonetheless... It's very convincing. It makes you question it. Well, before you um, explain, before you explain what is a work or a shoot, you got to tell the people what happened. Uh, okay, okay. Well, so throughout the and you can tell they're kind of like they're both really good. Like I guess that promo is just naturally because because it didn't see. I feel like they had their their bullet points that they're going to hit in terms of jabbing at each other, but none of it seemed like rehearsed or scripted. It seemed really natural. So, you know, Pat McAfee saying something like he mentioned that Adam Cole didn't have some very nice words for him at some some NXT live event. So I'm assuming Adam Cole cut a promo or something and took a shot at Pat McAfee. But then like um Pat McAfee as he's as he's kind of introducing Adam Cole to the audience, he's taking little jabs here and there. Um I'm trying to remember specifically about also like basically how Adam Cole is often compared to Shawn Michaels, but but there's no way Adam Cole's ever going to come close to the career Shawn Michaels had. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the longest ring. And see, this is, this, this is the part that seemed, this is one of the, one of the red flags where I thought it's kind of thick. He was like, the only reason he mentions that, uh, and they should have left that out, but uh, the only reason why Adam Cole was a champ that long is because of the undisputed era. Uh, so I'm like, okay, well that doesn't, that seems, that sounds kind of fake. You know what I mean? Um, but then, but everything else just seemed legit. He, so basically, the boiling point was he had mentioned Adam Cole being small, and he could never, I guess, never be, never have a Shawn Michaels career because of his size. And that's when Adam Cole just, you know, loses it. You know, fuck you, Pat McAfee. You, you know, you've been a fucking dick this whole time. And yeah, it was very, uh, it was very convincing, man. Really, you think so? I didn't really think it was that convincing. The the if you really know what you're looking for, you know anything about these guys, um, then there's there's nothing of the least bit convincing about it. But you know, compared to some of the other stuff that you see out there, uh, 
yeah, I guess it may be better than that. But look who you're talking about. You're talking about Adam Cole, who everybody praises for his ability to, you know, speak. And yeah. you got Pat McAfee, who, you know, spent his whole career as a punter for the Indianapolis Colts in the NFL. But now he's transitioned into, you know, broadcasting and some wrestling because he's got a real good, you know, lively personality. And he's sharp and witty and funny and entertaining, which is why, you know, Triple H wants to do business with him. And because he's a huge wrestling fan and always has been. So, you know, but if you really if you really know what you're looking for, I mean, you could see this uh from a mile away. I mean, let's let's talk about first of all the fact of what you were saying going back to their house shows and the history of these guys. Like these guys have been running an angle for like years. Ever since ever since Cole uh, ever since McAfee showed up in NXT, he and Cole have been going at it. Like he, they, they, they've, they've had spots and matches where he, you know, like he, he cost Adam Cole a match or something like that, where he, he was like a special guest ring announcer and then got involved in the match. I mean, obviously that's a work. So yeah. I think these guys really have something chemistry-wise with each other, and I think they both recognize that they can do something with that. What they think they can do, I don't know. Because where do you really go with it other than a match, which is where everything goes in the WWE? All they ever leads to is a match. Um, and if Pat McAfee wants to have a match, he can. I mean, he's you know he's been trained some, and he could get trained some more. But I don't really think people would be that excited about it. I mean, he's not that famous, but um, but maybe it's just one of those things where it's like they just want to do it to see if they can. You know, to see if they can make people believe. Um, but, you know, come on, dude. Like, Adam Cole works for the WWE. The Like, everything that you need to do in the WWE, you need, like, 10 permission slips to do it. Like, you, you probably need permission to use the restroom um, at the Performance Center. Yeah. So, so, you mean to tell me he's going to go on this show and then he's going to, like, break stuff and push somebody? You think Adam Cole's going to physically assault somebody when he works for the WWE? Like, why, why would he put his job in jeopardy for doing something like that? You know what I mean? So, obviously, it had to have been set up from the beginning. And I don't know how much... They, they, I'm not saying they scripted out their whole conversation, but they've been going back and forth at each other enough times over the years that they probably you know, know exactly what to do and say. And they may have talked about things beforehand or whatever, like, Oh I, yeah, if I say this, or if I say this, or why don't you say this? They're probably, they're probably trying to see how much they can get people to buy into it. You know, because that's, that's that. If you really care about the craft of this business, that's everything that you're trying to do. You know, there's a lot of guys that can go out and do a dive through the ropes and collect their paycheck. But, the people that really care about the history of the business and the business of the business, you know, they look for those ways of like trying to make the stuff as, as um, realistic as possible and trying to avoid being phony, whether that's throwing a snug looking punch or whether it's, you know, cutting a promo that has enough truth in it to make people wonder, you know, everybody that cares about the job is trying to, uh, get people invested and interested by being able to, you know, believe what's going on. So, yeah, for sure. 
if I see two of these guys who are big wrestling fans, obviously one is a wrestler and the other is a big fan enough that he wanted to get in and learn how to take bumps and stuff and just be around it. Um, I could see two guys like that kind of finding that they had stuff in common and using that stuff in common and using a friendship to try to actually make it look like they hate each other, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if this, if this, you would, you would have way more cause to question it if this was the first instance that this ever happened. But these guys have been running an angle for a long time. So right off the bat. Yeah, um, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know they had a history. I didn't know that at all. You didn't? No. You don't remember any of this stuff? I don't or like, know. Or like Adam Cole coming on the pre show panel and like getting in arguments with him? I guess you don't watch pre show panels. Yeah, I miss those a lot. But I mean, I, I try to watch the Pat because I like Pat McAfee. So I, I'm always entertained by his stuff. But no, I didn't um, I didn't know that. Had I known that, I would have probably questioned it less. I probably would have, okay, this is a work. So I, I had no knowledge of any of that stuff. Yeah. And then, and then just, just the way he just kind of, I don't know. It, it, it's why, okay, so why are you going to have a guy on your show just to insult him? You know, that's not what a, that's not what a host would really do. You know what I mean? So yeah, it, 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 the whole fact that Adam Cole was on the show to begin with, it probably has to do um, more with that they wanted to do something here. And what else is Adam Cole going to do? You know, he lost his NXT championship. If you really wanted to promote NXT and talk about NXT and all this other stuff, you would add the new champion on there, right? <laughs> like, what do you need yeah, Adam yeah. Cole for? He's a loser. So <laughs> this is just whatever he's going to be doing next. And then... As if you needed any more uh, proof, and there's a bunch of stuff like we're just not going to spend all day on this, but like, but we could. Um, but then the Adam Cole apology, like, what would you, you know, apology really? That 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 you're not going to apologize for that. You you didn't have to do that in the first place, but you apologize for shoving a guy. You know, you, you it doesn't it doesn't like it doesn't make sense that a wrestler could be so thin skinned. You know, that's what's not believable about it, especially a heel wrestler. You know, you would think that they would like, uh, you know, a guy like Adam Cole would have a smooth comeback for anything that you could say to him. But instead, he gets upset and storms off like just whoever does that. Who really storms off? It's weird. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, so. Yeah, then yeah, then he does the Twitter apology and then it's like, OK, now that's definitely <clears throat> Well, kind of reminds kind of reminds me of the old Talking Smack show, the the post SmackDown show, and we saw all that really good stuff between, you know, the Miz and Daniel Bryan. You know, where I was, I was, I was, where I was even really questioning, this is a worker shoot, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's no way that like, I mean, come on. Even if even if those two guys didn't like each other at first, there's no way they could still not like each other now. Like they may not be best friends or anything, but. I think Daniel Bryan could definitely respect what the Miz does, and I'm sure the Miz has always respected Daniel Bryan. So, that but but sometimes um, it takes that sort of getting along to uh, to uh, to draw money. Yeah, and for sure. Miz cut some really good promos on uh, Daniel Bryan on those Talking Smack episodes, but the only thing was at that time we didn't know if we it was if it would ever go anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but yeah, this is, this is totally, this is, this is totally not a real thing with uh, Adam Cole and um, Pat McAfee, but I like that they're trying to make you guess. Uh, yeah, like that's always, that's always exciting when you, when you think something's real, you know, so I, I always, 
I always appreciate those moments. Yeah. So, but yeah, no way it's real. Um, yeah. So that's anything else to say on that matter or. No, that's it for that, man. I guess we'll really know if they bring it up on NXT. If Adam, if they, if they talk about NXT and they talk about the apology and, uh, I've already seen something that said like, you know, talking about bringing on, you know, bringing on Pat McAfee has been invited to NXT for a one-on-one with Adam Cole. It's like, oh, okay. Okay, sure. Interesting. Well, I'd, I'd be interested. But then like, who's the heel, you know? I feel like in that, and it seemed like Adam Cole was the total baby face in that, in that promo, you know, or that interview. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're going to talk about who doesn't know how to be a babyface and a heel later. But <laughs> let's let's just say it's let's just say it's a real a real issue in the business today. Um yeah. So, we'll see. Uh that's it for the news. That's it for the news. Okay. Um did you happen to catch any dark? I know that uh Sabby wasn't on this week, but <laughs> so last night I was excited. I, I mean, let me check out this card. And I looked, big long card. Did not see Sabby on there. I'm like, um, I didn't. So yes. I didn't really bother. I'm like, come on, why wasn't he there? Uh, maybe, he maybe, maybe, maybe they're saving him for TV. That's probably it. Or he didn't impress him in his match. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is an hour and fifty minutes. An Jesus. hour and fifty minutes. That's longer than an episode of SmackDown with the commercials cut out. Uh, now, what do you think? Do you think so? What's the point of this? Is just do they get paid by YouTube? Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, what's the point of all this extra content? I, dude, it must be. Well, you, yeah, it has to be because when you watch, everybody knows that watches YouTube knows that. If you if your video even it doesn't matter if your video is a minute there's probably gonna, they're probably going to stick an ad in there somewhere like it doesn't matter if you're monetized on YouTube you're gonna have an ad in there um, no matter how short it is but if it's longer you can stick a lot more ads and there was a bunch of ads in this episode so that's probably you know that's just their way of trying to recoup some revenue during this time um, okay so so it's only been sixteen hours. And they have two hundred forty-eight thousand views, so um, so I'm trying to see what they what their views typically are. Yeah, it's usually probably like twice that or more. But that's the thing; it's like with so much with so much uh, actual wrestling out there to watch, um, you're probably not feeling like you're missing anything by not seeing these episodes. Especially these ones are all squash matches for the most part. And even squash matches in AEW can be competitive, as we know. So, yeah, there was a ton of matches. Uh, And uh, one of them was um, FTR versus The Initiative, which is the new tag team name for uh, Peter Avalon and Brandon Cutler. So, (laughs) yeah, The Initiative. Yeah, um... So you know, made such an honor, such a uh, an unorthodox pairing, you know. But then we also the same thing when uh, Sean and Triple H and Road Dog and Billy Gunn all got together. So maybe this could be the next uh, New Age Outlaws. <laughs> this, <yeah. laughs> 
Yeah, sure, man. Um, real positive thinking on your part. Uh, yeah, I just uh, this um, this match wasn't really good, and it's just another it's just another opportunity for FTR to kind of you know show why they're the best tag team in the world and not really doing it. Um, but yeah, the 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 reason I made a note about it was just because of something that. Excalibur said during the commentary, which was, he said, he said that, uh, you know, Brandon, he said that Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon were an odd pairing, as you mentioned, and they, they starting to finally find some chemistry and get close. He's like, they're still looking for their first win, but if, uh, if, if they were to beat FTR here, it would be considered an upset, but not a surprise. And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what, what's the first thing that comes in your head when you hear that phrase? Is it up? It, it would be an upset, but not a surprise. What do you think in your mind? I feel like, you... I feel like that's a contradictory statement. <laughs> yeah. What is an upset, <laughs> but a surprise? That's yeah. all it is. If it, if it wasn't a surprise, it wouldn't be called an upset. So that's the kind of genius um, commentary you can expect from a masked commentator. Did, uh, uh... Did uh, Leva Bates do any of her uh, any of the book gimmick? I like how they'll use the book and like and somehow incorporate it into the match. I think she tried to throw a book in the ring at some point. Um, but yeah. I, I actually I actually like Peter Avalon and Leva Bates. I, I, I that uh, librarian gimmick grew on me. Like the promos were good, um, but they never yeah. really used them on Dynamite. I don't know. Would you do you like it? Not really. But also, also whatever gimmick there was is, doesn't exist anymore. It's been replaced by Brandon Cutler. Because now they don't come out. They don't oh, shush God. anybody. They don't cut promos. They're just in a tag team with Brandon Cutler. So he took their whole gimmick. And now they have to come out to his music with his 20-sided die and do all his shit. And she still tries to throw a book or whatever. But, you know, it just wasn't that. Not that over. Also, I have to say, I was thinking about it. It's like, I remember when she was blue pants, it felt like she was so skinny that even her tights were falling down. But now she's like really plumping up and she's wearing mini skirts. So, you know, how yeah, I, never, I, didn't, I guess I didn't, she can afford to eat now. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think she was hot in NXT, but, but when she debuted as a librarian, I'm like, oh, I think she's pretty hot now. So, hmm. I'm surprised. I'm surprised I don't use her more in the women's division. I think she's good. She has an actual gimmick. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. She's one of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. So if, <laughs> if you say good, it's not it's not that part, I imagine. But I good mean, enough. I, uh, uh, now, are you one of those people that that digs the um, the sort of nerdy bookwormish look? I kind of dig it all. So, yeah, so that's one of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Uh, the Wardlow was on there, so I thought you might have at least maybe skipped over to that and seen your, your favorite. Um, yeah, I did see that. I was almost going to try to watch that. I didn't get a chance to, but yeah. Yeah, he uh, he actually took on Aaron Solo, you know, the Bailey, the Bailey buddy. Bailey's Bailey good, boy. Yeah. Um, and he knocked him out. Like he's doing the, first of all, he's this weird move where like, he's got the guy by the throat and the guy's like up on the turnbuckle. 
So that's already like weird. And then he does the thumbs down thing. And then he like, he pulls him down and then um, like throws a knee. And like, it's like they're, he, he basically slams their, their head into his knee, but it, it doesn't really look that good. It, it, it kind of looks like what just happened. It looked like they tried to do something else and messed it up, but I think that's what he wanted to do. And so he knocks the guy out with his knee and then um, the referee like stops it. But I don't even like, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of the knockout finish because there's lots of stuff that got like, when you see a guy take a knee to the face or like if it was big shows punch or, or just something where some guy was knocked out and then the referee stops the match. It's like, okay. So what about those times when, you know, somebody goes through like two tables and a pile of chairs and shit like that. And you don't stop the match for that. You know what I mean? It's, it just seems like that makes sense. That like, I, I don't mind the knockout finish, but you have to, you have to use it for a lot more stuff than just, a punch or a knee, you know, because otherwise why, if the ref's not stopping it for the other stuff, why would he stop it for one punch? You know, he didn't even give you a chance to kick out of a pin or anything. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, the whole, the whole thing is every, everybody gets knocked out in wrestling. If you, if you can't lift your shoulders for three seconds, that's basically knocked out, <laughs> you know, uh, the, you know, unless it's, unless you're being held down by some technical pin. But I mean, if you're, if you take a stunner, and you can't lift your shoulder that I guess you were knocked out, you know, that, so it just, I've never been a fan of that finish and it doesn't matter. Cause no one's going to fucking watch this episode of dark ever, but I'm just saying like, those are things that people don't really take into consideration when they come up with this. They think it's yeah, cool. I've never, I've never thought about the way you describe the knockout finish, but that, that makes sense from that aspect. Yeah. So now every time you see that you're going to, you know, hopefully you're going to think of what I said and you remember it and be like, yeah, I don't like this. I, think I am. And and that's basically what my role is here on 2N, is to educate you and bring you perspectives that you would not normally get or you would not hear anywhere else. Because I never heard nobody say what I just said. Um, I don't know who taught it to me. I was just, I'm just using my common sense, you know, and my, and my knowledge of, you know, various wrestling finishes. It's the same. We'll get, we'll get to the discrepancies about other things later, especially considering referees, like, how how many times have I said you bring out twenty referees to break up this one this one argument with women, and then meanwhile you got other people out here like beating people to death, and there's nobody out there. You have to be consistent in everything you do. So if one thing's going to be a knockout finish, everything's got to be a knockout finish, or just don't do it, or get or get more creative and whatever it is. When you when you mentioned the referees <clears throat> breaking up the women fights. I, I got the flashback on my head of Pat Buck's horrible hair. Ooh. <laughs> did, you, did you catch that on Raw? Oh, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> Don't you worry. Oh, it was awful. Yeah, sneak preview, guys. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and then the other note I have is we have a private party has, like, a new manager, which is, isn't the first time, but it's the first time we talked about it. And that manager is Big Money Matt, uh, formerly known as Matt Hardy. Um, but now he's Big Money Matt. So what do you, even if you haven't seen this, because they do this they do this weird vignette where Matt Hardy basically says in his promo, well, actually, he, he doesn't just basically say it. He actually says it. He says, the more over you guys get, that's the more over I get and the more I stay over. 
you know that that's that's pretty much exactly what he said uh, so despite the fact that he's using wrestling terminology in his promos, like, I'm not going to, if that's the least way that Matt Hardy exposed the business, then I'm good with that. Cause everything he does expose the business now. But what do you think about a pairing between Matt Hardy and like doing the old, uh, Michael Hayes role with the Hardy boys, but maybe, um, cause you know, he doesn't really fit with private party, just like Michael Hayes didn't fit with the Hardy boys. But what do you think? What do you think of that idea? Uh, I think it makes about as much sense as putting Peter Avalon and Brandon Cutler together. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I don't know. Plus, plus, I don't see. I mean, I don't look at Private Party and think like they're the next Hardy Boys. I mean, they're 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 athletic, they're talented, but I don't see them being this next you know great tag team. You know? No, I sure don't. Um. So yeah, so that was pretty much dark. I mean. There was a ton of matches. I don't really care about any of them. Uh, Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss beat up somebody. Um, I forget who. Um, yeah, just all. There, I guess the main event was um, a triple threat with uh, SCU and Proud and Powerful and oh god, who are the other team? Uh, yeah. It's gonna Some, bug me now. Somebody else. Triple threat. Uh, and. PMP won, so you know, good for them. They get a win. They usually don't win. Uh, yeah, I'm just stalling. We need to hurry up and go. So we're gonna take a break. I'm gonna come back and we are gonna talk about actual dynamite. Okay, so we got AEW Dynamite. Now, unlike Dark, you always you never miss an episode of Dynamite. It's your favorite show, Sergio, right? It is my favorite show, yep. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> this is a very funny thing. Cody starts with his open challenge, and Eddie Kingston answers the challenge, right? Um, yep. He comes out, he cuts this promo, a, a very what'd you think of the promo first so i've been a a fan of kingston for a while in the sense to where he has really really good promos and i was watching him at impact and he was at one point he was managing what was it diamante and um uh ortiz and um santana and i was like man i'm like i'm looking at the nxt managers you know you got malcolm bivens who's fine but i'm mean, eddie kingston to me like he's a uh, I thought he could be, you know, this is his speaking abilities is so, so great. I was like, well, I was like, why isn't he in WWE, you know, managing somebody, you know? So, so I was, I was, I was happy that it was Eddie Kingston. Okay. Um, yeah. So he cuts this promo. He's basically, it, the, the promo is basically that he's from the streets and Cody Rhodes, you know, has had everything given to him. That's, you know, you're typical. He says it better than that, but the thing is about this promo is like, even if it's a good promo, you still have to think about the content of your promo. So for example, in this match or in this promo, he says he'll put Cody in the ground with a smile, you know, which basically saying he'll kill him. Like he's going to kill Cody. Okay. Which, you know, you can't deliver on that promise. So you shouldn't say it. Um, But, but the, the point is, he says he's he. If you're gonna go that far in your promo, 
you're thinking, man, this guy's got to be pretty vicious, you know, especially if you've never seen him before. You know, you see this guy come out and he's talking the talk and maybe you, this is your first time seeing Eddie Kingston. So, you know, now he's got you really hyped up. Like he's going to kill this kid, Cody Rhodes. <laughs> um, and the men, the match starts and the first thing he's doing, uh, and this is a, he, he, he gets the match to be a no DQ match, by the way. And he gets Cody to agree. Uh, so now, not only has he said he's killed, he's going to kill him, but he can do anything he wants to him in this match now. There's no DQ. So what's the first thing he thinks to do? Go ahead and guess what's the first thing Eddie Kingston does. I only remember because I saw your tweet to Ben Hameen. Uh, a, a, a very brutal uh, knife-head chop. That's right. <laughs> you know, when he, was, when he was clawing his way up from the streets, you know, he did it one, one slap to the chest at a time, I guess. Uh, so what's funny about that was it wasn't so much. So the tweet wasn't actually to Ben Hameen. It was to Chris Silvio. Oh, was who, it? Okay. yeah. So we know, we know him from our time in OVW Susio, totally awesome. Him and, uh, him and, uh, uh, Kamikaze kid. Who's now, uh, Jimmy. Well, what was his? He, <laughs> paradise, Jimmy, Jimmy paradise, production, yeah. production, Jimmy. Like he's got all these names as Jimmy and he works in the WWE now um, doing a lot of like the video packages and stuff, him and Borash. So yeah. So anyways, Chris puts this tweet out and the tweet is basically putting over the segment of Eddie Kingston and, and the idea of Cody's like, uh, you know, his, um, his weekly challenge and saying that, those those matches are like the best part of the show and they elevate you know everything well what he exactly says um okay his tweet is tremendous work by at cody Rhodes and at mad king 1981 which is uh eddie kingston those matches elevate the show every week to which i respond i mean he says he'll put cody in the ground with a smile and the first thing he does is chop him in the chest in a no dq match and then i do the eye roll emoji so, so Silvio responds and says, Flair is the greatest quote wrestler of all time. And the chop is one of his signature moves. It works. And I respond, we should have a long discussion about psychology, Susio. <laughs> um, that tweet where I said, we should have a long discussion about psychology. You got one like, do you know who was the one like? Uh, whew. Who? Eddie Kingston. Oh, interesting. So either Eddie Kingston... That's ironic. ...didn't understand what I was talking about because I basically bury. I mean, I wasn't trying to bury him. I like Eddie Kingston, but I'm... That's why. I'm. A, if, if Joey Janela does something stupid, I want to point it out and I get blocked and that's fine. But for the most part, people like him aren't worth my time anyways. Uh, it's those people that have potential that just need a little bit of uh polishing here and there that that's what i want to do is, is just kind of point that out so either he didn't get that or you know much less likely he agreed but whatever he liked my tweet so it's like that is funny if he agrees like oh shit this guy's got a point and actually wants to hear your uh, discussion on psychology he might learn a thing or two <laughs> yeah yeah he might but that's the thing like when if, if you're a guy like eddie kingston 
Like I get it, everything he did. And so he has this match with Cody, you know, it's like, other than those chops and stupid shit like that, I just, I'm just not a fan of people chopping in a street fight. I'm just not, it just doesn't make sense. If you could do anything you want, why would you do that? The only reason you chop is because that's in the rules of a regular wrestling match. You're not supposed to use closed fist punches and other things like that. So, you know, you hit a guy in the chest and yeah, it stings. And if you've ever been hit by a guy like Von Lilas, um, it really, it, it really does hurt. Not just stings. Um, but it feels like he's hitting you with like a stick or something. Cause that's how strong he is. Yeah. But, sure too. but for, you know, but for the average person, um, yeah, you're probably be all right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, yeah, he, he gets to this point where he, he power bombs Cody into some thumbtacks, uh, which, you know, a lot of guys that take the thumbtacks wear shirts and stuff. Um, Cody doesn't. So he took all of them. And that was interesting. And I can just see that's Cody just trying to put himself over more. He's doing the John Cena thing. He's he's studying John Cena. And I'm not going to let him get away with it. I'm going to make sure I call him out every time. Like He's just doing what he thinks that people w- would give him credibility with the fans. It's like, oh, man, remember when Cody took those thumbtacks? He didn't have to do that. He's an EV <laughs> of the company. You know, like, you know, that's what's going in his mind. But the, but Besides, I will say, to, to, to play devil's advocate, there's also no better guy to study than John Cena. So, No, I, I totally agree. Uh, I just don't think you should make it that obvious. Um, but in any case, uh, yeah. So my question I was going to say, I was going to ask you is, um, how do you, like, when you, regardless of that whole, you know, the ingratiating yourself with the fans thing, um, how do you think that spot gets brought up? Like who do, who brings the spot up where Cody gets power bombed and thumbtacks? If you had to go, yeah. um, I'm I'm probably gonna in that scenario I'm probably gonna say Cody. So, cause cause I don't you know I'm not Eddie Kingston's biggest fan or anything. I don't know how often he likes to pull out a bag of thumbtacks. You know I I don't know if he does that in all his matches or you know, but yeah I haven't seen much of his matches. I've always just seen most of his promos really you know. Yeah, well, let me just say any even matches artists. I've seen. Yeah, even even matches I've seen, I didn't, I didn't see him use thumbtacks. But, um, yeah. So like, do you, how do you how do you how do you bring up that spot in a match where you normally wouldn't do it? Like, I can understand if you're like guys in Japan and you work for one of those federations, or if you you know you're an ECW and you just know you do that kind of stuff or whatever. But like, if you're just two guys. How do you be like, um, so I was thinking I was going to powerbomb you on the thumbtacks tonight. Like, how do you just bring up that subject? It doesn't seem like the kind of, I wouldn't want to ask somebody to do that. Or like, I wouldn't want to ask somebody to, to do it to me. Like if it's not one of their gimmicks. Well, like, I mean, you, if, if, if you're like really good buddies, it's like, Hey, you know, this, we might get, you know, a high rating or something or some buzz. Let's do this. Okay. Yeah. That's a good idea. You know, yeah. um, which in this case, you know, they did. They had a really large increase in ratings that week, and they and they they beat NXT big time. I'm not saying because of the, because of the thumbtacks, but for a show that didn't really have any big hype matches, they did extremely well. Okay, um, yeah. So I don't know. That's just something I was wondering. Like, how do you how do you broach the subject yeah. of the thumbtacks? Uh, and 
All right. So, yeah. Any other thoughts on that match? I mean, obviously, Eddie Kingston didn't kill Cody. He didn't put him in the ground with a smile. Um, he ended up ta- tapping match. out rather quickly at the end, actually, with that figure four. Mm-hmm. It was pretty damn quick. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, earlier you mentioned about uh, people who, who aren't heels or don't know what they are. I thought you were going to reference Cody because uh, it was brought up throughout the week. I don't know. It was on Twitter somehow where Cody says he's not a heel. He's just a competitor. And I think Jim Cornette has some comments um, opposing that idea. I kind of agree with Cody. Um, whereas I think today there's not, you know, I don't really think it matters to have to be a really true heel or baby face. You can kind of be in that gray area. Whereas Jim Cornette disagree. You probably disagree as well. Um, you know, I, I do disagree. I think the ratings also disagree um, because they're struggling to get a million people to watch this show. So don't tell me that you're just a competitor when no one wants to fucking watch you. Um, the The thing about the thing about being a a babyface and a heel is you don't have to sit there and do, draw a line on a piece of paper and then put everybody in your roster on either side of that, but you need to know what your character is. Um, And if your character, when you're seeing Cody out there, you're seeing him do things like, like that are incompatible. um, They're, they're, um, they're conflicting actions. So you're going to go and you're going to, you're going to savagely attack somebody with the intent to injure, you know, now let's take this back to if wrestling was real, if wrestling was real, Everybody would just grapple and there wouldn't be punching and there wouldn't be kicking and there wouldn't be other stuff. They'd just try to beat each other with technical maneuvers. If this was real, that's what you would do. And then pro wrestling has gotten to the point where that wasn't enough and we've had to up the bar and up the bar and up the bar and try to keep people entertained. So the idea being you start out in a contest and break into a fight, you know, when tensions get high, that's plausible. That's believable. You could start out trying to obey the rules and then all of a sudden some tempers get hot and then all of a sudden you start taking liberties you know we can understand that story if you're telling that story uh cody goes in there and he immediately seems like he's trying to destroy somebody's knee or or just otherwise just um have no disregard for their health like he's not trying to beat them using wrestling moves or you know just trying to get the win clean like a good guy would um he's attacking them in ways that would that could cripple or injure you know these people and then that that's okay if you want to do that and then say you're a competitor but then at the end when he's sitting there like hugging them and raising their hand and all this other bullshit that's not the way you were acting when you started the match so you just have to choose which one of those things you want to do does that make sense no it definitely definitely makes sense yeah yeah there can be guys that aren't necessarily like the nice guys that are going to be shaking hands and kissing babies and, you know, and, and just saying, Oh, shucks, I'm just going to go out there and do my best. And, you know, and you don't have to be that, but you also have to, you've got to know what your character is and where the line is that you're willing to cross. And that's well, the, where the issue comes in. The smart thing is if this is actually all set up this way intentionally, where to where he does eventually turn heel because at some point someone's going to call him out on how he's, you know, hugging his competitors. But before that, like you just mentioned, you know, maybe that's all part of the, uh, the really uh, intelligent, inevitable heel turn or something. 
it could be. So we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, I'm not going to yeah. give him that much credit, but yeah, it's it's something that's possible. with something to think about. Um, so we get a promo from the quote great John Moxley. Uh, those are Jr.'s words, not mine. Uh, where he explains <laughs> how he almost tore Cage's arm off, just like he said he would. Um, so again, I have to play the role of educator here. Uh, something that John Moxley may not know, uh, or at least he acts like he doesn't know. A joint lock does not work that way. Um, if you got somebody's arm or leg or something in a joint lock, some kind, whether it's a knee bar, a heel hook, uh, an arm bar, you know, those things, um, those aren't like, those aren't strictly pain-based submissions. You either, you're basically saying you either give up or I break this. So you break it or you don't. Um, You don't almost tear somebody's arm off. If he had Brian Cage's arm in that arm bar and he wanted to, all he has to do is pull once and his elbow is going to be destroyed. Period. So the whole finish where Taz throws in the towel and all this other shit, it just, it doesn't, you know, I don't, that's why I don't like those finishes. I don't like those kind of things. Or it's like the same thing when you see, you know, uh, someone has an ankle lock on and they, they, they hold it in their way too long. Like, look at like Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle at WrestleMania or something where like he's got Shawn Michaels in the ankle lock for like 10 minutes and you're just like, dude, just break it. <laughs> like, it's not a question of if it hurts or not, it's break it. You just break it. If he doesn't give up, break it. Now he's got a broken knee. So it's like, I, they got to really get with it, you know? Um, and this stuff is concerned. Uh, now let's talk about getting with it here because um, we got MJF uh, versus Griff Garrison. Is this your first time seeing Griff Garrison, or as somebody else has called him, <laughs> jungle, jungle Man? <laughs> no, we've seen him before. Have you not seen him? I've seen him. I'm just asking if you okay. seen him. No, I have. Yeah. Well, he stood out to me. I was he was that guy in the crowd. You know, you know, he's got a good physique. He's tall. And I was like, why aren't they using him? I'm talking uh, about in a match. Have you seen him in a match before? Oh, in a match? Yeah, I think I've seen him on Dark or something. But I was surprised. Like, he actually cut a good promo. You know, he's got a good look. Um, I hope they want to, you know, maybe do something with him. But can you have a guy that looks that much like Jungle Boy on the same show? <laughs> you can't. You almost got to put him in dress. You almost got to put him in the group, you know? Yeah, or... I, I would think. Or just put his hair in a ponytail at the very least. <laughs> I mean... yeah. Cut his hair, dye it, change it up, something. If he if he cut his hair, he wouldn't look like a jungle boy. But at this point, you you kind of got to put him in that group. I would I would think, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't really see a future for Griff Garrison other than exactly what he's doing, which is jobs. I mean, I don't. Really? Yeah, I don't think he has. Um, he's got the personality of a dish towel. Um, he's got the hair of a dish towel. Uh, but that hair, oh man, that, that's like all he's got. Other than that, he's just a thin, uh, white. Um, you want to talk about vanilla? That's vanilla right there, thin and white. Uh, yeah, he, he sucks, but he's new, and he can fulfill that role of getting tossed around by somebody like MJF, who's actually literally on the microphone cutting a promo on him during the match. You know, Jerry Lawler style. Yeah. Um, which was great. Everything he did was great. He even almost on that. Oh my God! On that roll up, he—that's as close as you can get to really believing that shit could have happened, right? I mean, he—he re- he really thought for a second, like, what if they give Griff Garrison a win? And of course, they didn't. Mm-hmm. But 
But that was MJF making you believe. Um, yeah, MJF's good, man. Yeah, so. Um, let's see. Um, we get a, a vignette with the doctor. Uh, now, I had a question about her makeup. Was it smeared and running, or was it makeup intended to look like bruising because she just had surgery on her nose, a septoplasty, as she said? Hmm, good question. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I can't think about it. I can't tell if it was, you know, if it was ruined makeup. But why would it be ruined? Because that's the first time you see her, or if they were just trying to do that, you know, trying to make it look like those. You you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, she is, she is Michael Jordan. Um, Red Baker is Michael Jordan. That's the important thing to take away from this. Okay, so back to Moxley, sort of. Taz is out there with this promo, and again, he says he has a legitimate armbar. Okay, so every other armbar is fake, right? Thanks, Taz. Seems like the kind of thing that you would cuss somebody out for five minutes for saying, but you say it. That's, that's perfectly fine. Uh, but the real story here is Darby Allen. Um, so he comes down and my God, does he get walloped by Ricky Starks from behind to the degree? I heard he got a, sorry. I was going to say to the degree that his head hit the ring ropes, um, violently. And I assume you're about to say he's got a concussion from this. Yeah. I heard he got, yeah, it was nasty. I heard he didn't get a concussion. So what did you think when you saw that? Did you run it back and check it again? I did. I thought, wow, that was pretty vicious. I don't know whose I don't know whose fault it was. I don't know if Darby Allen threw himself too much or if Ricky Starks really hit him uh, too hard. But I don't know. I feel like you know you're Darby Allen. You're kind of taking your own bump there. Well, you should be, but I mean, come on. If you really look at that, he flew onto him, and yeah. he had nowhere to go. Like he was, he was way too close to the ropes. So, yeah, it didn't. There, there was no throwing. There was no throwing yourself into it. And you can see when his head hits the ropes. I mean, that's not what you would do if you were jumping forward or you were throwing yourself forward. So he, he, uh, and he, he definitely didn't even look like he was looking for it. So yeah, that was all Ricky Starks, but, um, yeah, apparently there were other people that, uh, had a question too. You know, I was looking at some of the internet comments and, uh, there was some guy that actually just boldly had the audacity to say, that it was Darby Allen's fault. And I'm just like, you're just some Mark on the internet. Like, why are you, why are you, you're not even saying like, Oh, I think that it looked like, or maybe, or anything like that. It was just like, yeah, he, he, you know, Ricky Starks didn't do anything. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, I guess that's a Ricky Starks fan for you. But, uh, so what do yeah. you think about the Ricky Starks being in with Taz and cage? Does that fit? Well, so <clears throat> I like it because, and I'll use like the Sammy, I'll use the Sammy Guevara as an example. Guys like him and guys like a Ricky Starks, they're talented, but they can easily get lost in the shuffle unless you do something special with them, which is why I'm a fan of factions, right? Um, uh, so I think it's like, I think it's good for him because it's going to give him an opportunity to not be not fall into the mix with the Kip Sabians and the, and the Jimmy Havocs. Now he gets to be put in this position to where he's with a top guy like cage and Taz. And, and we can see Ricky Starks cut his good promos, which he's good at. And, um, 
he can be that 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 heel that I guess you know maybe loses or or whatnot. But I think it's a, I like it. I think it's a good role for him. Well, maybe. And you know, it was kind of funny because um, he said something like uh, like Excalibur said something on Dark during one of the matches, like um, if you you know is is he your faction? And Taz is like, who said I had a faction? <laughs> <laughs> Um, like, like I was watching, I was watching Tony Nese on SmackDown, and I, and I was thinking about Ricky Starks. I'm like, Tony Nese could be in that same position where he's really good, but doesn't really have much charisma. But he's so good and looks really good that you know, if you put him in, in the right, you know, in, in a certain faction or put him with somebody, give him a manager, he could be elevated because that's how good he is. You know? Yeah. Well, opinion. I don't see the same thing for Ricky Starks. Also. um, if you keep injuring your opponents, then you're not going to have anywhere to go. Like he was obviously lined up for something with Darby Allen, but now that Darby Allen's out, he's got to wait. So it's not smart to uh, concuss your um, your angle partners. Yeah. Um. Uh, we had the uh, so we had the the Jack Dads versus the regular Dads. Falls count anywhere. Um. There was um this uh I'm gonna. I'm just going to take a guess and say you like this, enjoyed this. I actually liked the match a lot more than I expected to. It was really good. I did. Now it was pretty brutal. I heard, I heard they were all pretty, pretty banged up, dude. Uh, I'm sure you're going to bring it up at some point, but um, well, go uh, ahead and do it for me. I'm sure you're going to talk about Blade doing the tope out of the uh, ring, and missing the table completely, right? Yeah, that was awful. I mean, and he's a good wrestler. He's been around for a while. It's just one of those, you he's know, just not a good, spots. He's just not a good topayer. <laughs> yes. Hey, they call it high risk for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But oh man, that was hard to watch. And he got, you know, he came back in the match and was able to compete. I don't know what kind of injuries he has. Ho- hopefully none. But damn. Well, Even you know, uh, what's funny is you don't put it over. Yeah. Yeah. They. It, what's funny is those aren't the kind of things you get injured on. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, yeah. You do some shit like that and you'd be fine, you know, but, but if Ricky Starks hits you from the wrong angle with the forearm, then you hit the ropes and get a concussion. You see what I mean? It's like, it's never like Darby Allen's not going to get hurt doing those coffin drops and things like that. He's going to get do something like tear his Achilles or something when he's like getting out of bed. Yeah. Like what was it? Pac, Pac, uh, when he was Neville, you know, got injured doing a baseball slide, you know? Yeah. Remember that? Those yeah, little, little tiny moves. Or Sami Zayn uh, celebrating on his entrance, the Torres rotator. Or <laughs> Randy Orton te- uh, tearing his shoulder, just setting up for the RKO. Remember? Yeah. The on the- yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of funny how that works. Those are the things that hurt you. It's <laughs> never the crazy bump that you would think, right? So, but yeah. And right after he missed that table, um, Butcher hit a fat guy crossbody. So that was pretty cool. Yep. Um. So anyway, well, yeah, the regular dads win somehow. I missed it. I did not rewind. So if you know how and you want to tell the people, you can. But um... yeah, it was it was on the stage. Uh, Butcher and Blade were on their own, laying down on separate tables. And the Young Bucks, I don't know what you call it, but on, they went on top of the stage and they did like a splash simultaneously to each guy, um, and that's how they won. But brutal match, a lot of brutality on this show, which you know, I don't think you necessarily have to be that brutal to to get ratings but whatever happened i mean it, it worked this night i mean yeah they, they, they didn't get a million viewers but uh they, they did well from what from what they've been doing 
it's yeah brutal but like to people that are hearing that and thinking oh man was it really brutal no it's just the same cartoony bullshit and just people got hurt because they're sloppy i mean the the whole the whole thing started with those guys like in the kitchen like oh so you're a real butcher but you're in the kitchen who are you cooking for the the the, the place is closed there's this is not a real stadium here why are you why are you in there cook it you know this is goofy it's goofy bullshit just like always so if they hurt each other doing goofy bullshit that makes no money hey what can i tell you well uh, maybe they're cooking to the locker room and they gotta eat that'd be nice um okay. well the the young bucks didn't take them up on it so i mean at least at least they didn't get anything to eat but uh, so, the so, young yeah. bucks, so are the young bucks the heels because because of them nobody got to eat it could be could be um and for many other reasons uh speaking of heels uh lance archer beats up four small wrestlers that no one has ever seen in an otherwise empty locker room but um he's dead so it doesn't matter like nothing he doesn't matters anymore yeah like i i, I like that promo a lot but if he's gonna continue to come out and have competitive match with the joey janela like what's the point you know yeah i also i don't think it's funny how he has to like you have to find guys that don't ever show up anywhere else, but for him to get beat up, like for him to beat them up. You know what I mean? Like you didn't even pick other wrestlers on your roster. It's like a locker room that's completely empty except for these four guys. Every, everybody knows everybody else is out sitting in the crowd. So why aren't these guys in the crowd? And why are they dressed to wrestle? <laughs> they ain't wrestling. Yeah. You know, nobody's going to wrestle these guys. So, but they still got their gear on and he's throwing them through the ceiling and shit. It's like, okay. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty cool. This is the kind of shit I'm talking about, though. It's like, even if you want to do something cool, you still fucked it up three other ways. Uh, speaking of fuck-ups, we had Ivelisse against Diamante. This is Ivelisse's debut, sort of. I don't know if she'll be coming back after this. Uh, I always hear I always hear, I always hear, stories of her having a lot of heat. I can see that. I heard it when she was in FCW. I heard it when she was in Lucha Underground. I mean, I guess when there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, man, but they gave her a chance. And um, what you what you think? You you don't think she did? Did she mess up a lot? I mean, this this was just a horrible match. And let's let's not forget that Diamante was the other half of that that spot with Big Swole that was a famous uh, Twitter gif. <laughs> oh Remember? yeah, that was, that was bad. Yeah, yeah, the the old strike exchange there when no strikes landed. Um. Hey, speaking yeah. of women, how do you feel about the announcement they're making of this women's tournament? Um, is that going to is that to crown a tag, women's tag team champions? Um, I don't know. We don't have women's tag team okay. champions, so I just don't feel like not, not to sound sexist, but I feel like there's already way too much women's wrestling. The last thing we need now is women's tag teams, and I feel like WWE did that. I know it's a progressive movement, but I don't think it's what the fans really want to see. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, well, especially AEW, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, you're definitely gonna have to put people together because there aren't tag teams. So, this is really just an, some excuse for, you know, Brandy to get over, and um, that's fine and all. But at the very least, I mean, the, they're gonna have. See, the, that's the thing. AEW is gonna have women's tag team matches anyway. They have since day one, right? At least this one. At least this way, there'll be a point to some of it and some stakes to make it a little more interesting. Like, if we have to watch it, 
we might as well watch it for a reason instead of no reason, right? And it's not like they have to have like, you know, they could just have one match per show and they could drag it out. So, yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Why did I write down Hangman versus Five? Did anything even happen in that? I feel like I just wrote it down. Uh, the, I feel like the end dragged on. So, Hangman's not afraid of the entire Dark Order. They're gonna beat him up. He's not scared. Um, but he did the angle at the end, which was interesting, where Kenny was the last one to come out and save him. You know, I think commentary said maybe he was in the showers or something. So I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if they're in, in the end. Page was kind of buddies with FTR. FTR is not getting along with Kenny. So it almost seems like they're going back to the angle again, where, where, uh, which I liked, where Kenny and Page weren't necessarily on the same page, or there's trust issues. So it seems like they're going towards that again, which, which I think will be entertaining. Maybe. Well, remember, so- it's, there was crowds, and I think the idea was to turn Page heel, but he started getting really over. Um, so I don't know what you know. So it's funny how, you know, how much the crowd can impact you know a storyline. Yeah, like I said, no one would have bought that turn, and I'll say that every time. So, uh, we got so um, the main event is Jurassic Express versus Inner Circle. Um, I really was. I really by this point I had checked out. I did notice that. Um, when it looked like Serpentico came in, it ended up being Sammy Guevara making his return from suspension. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't have anything notable to say about this uh, match or anything. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's nothing much now. Nothing. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, um, that what was do you think of the show overall? You weren't a big fan. I don't know. I, they're all the same to me. Like I, I don't like. I can't really sit here and say like. Oh, this episode of Dynamite was good, and this one was bad. Or yeah, it's, it's like it's just the same. It's the same shit all the time. You know, they might have better. They might have better shows than others. But when I try to remember it, I can't. Like even 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 by the next week, you know, like I, I've already forgotten everything that happens. I don't even know why I made some of the notes I made here, like that Hangman note. I don't know why I made that because I had nothing to say about it anyway. Um, but yeah, so. Let's 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 move on to NXT real quick. Um, Keith Lee gives up the belt, the uh, North the North American Championship. Um, very nice of him. Give other people a chance. That was his reasoning. Um, it's, it's believable coming from Keith Lee. Yes, he's he's, he's, he's that kind of babyface. Right. Uh, so, so um, let's see. Shotzi Blackheart versus Aaliyah. I know you were excited to see this, but the <laughs> the, the the match was what it was what it was that's not really why i want to bring it up i but there's like a big thing with the robert stone brand going on you know this 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 long um you know kind of story <laughs> here with multiple people and Aliyah's here in this match with shotzi but i feel like it should have been somebody else right because um you know originally chelsea green was part of the brand and then she left the brand so do we, can we tell the story? Does it, do you, and uh, can we tell the story of why that this is not Chelsea green in this role? Because it's a funny story. Does that have anything to do with Zach Ryder, not letting them use their pool? Yes. Where did yes. I hear that story? I think Zach Ryder told it somewhere. Heard it from Zach Ryder. 
Zack Ryder <laughs> said they wanted to shoot some scenes uh, for Chelsea Green at, at uh, you know, their pool. And he was like, hell no, you just released me. You can't use my pool. Fuck you. <laughs> so no, knowing full well that this is the kind of business it is, you know, when he was telling that story, there was no proof yet. But that was weeks ago now. You know, months even, right? When was those releases? It was a while ago, right? Uh, actually, uh, I guess I want to say like uh, almost exactly a little, a little over three months. Wow. So it's already been like 12 weeks um, and at, at least. Uh, and we've seen what Chelsea Green has done in that time. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty safe bet. Um, yeah. yeah, they just slid Aaliyah into her spot because they don't like they don't like use Aaliyah for anything. They Every time she 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 only comes out to do a job to some debuting person. So the fact that she's now got like a recurring role on TV and is part of the Robert Stone brand and all that, it was like that's like part of the insult in my imagination. Like I'm thinking like, well, who's the worst person we could replace her with? Aaliyah, right? Yeah, that'll really piss her off. Let's use Aaliyah. And that's probably why it is. That makes sense. Aaliyah to me doesn't doesn't fit in that role. I think it I think it devalues Robert Stone as and his brand, so, you know, I don't, I just, I'm just not, not digging it. Not that he had any value, in fairness. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's be completely fair. Like, even if we like him, uh, it's not like he'd done anything there, so. Yeah, yeah. But still, uh, yeah, that's, so, yeah. So, the moral of the story is, let the WWE use your pool. <laughs> yeah. I just can't, I, I can't believe, like, I can't, I just, this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Like, I can't believe this stuff goes on. Like, I really can't. Like, every time, my mind is just blown every time I think about that. Like, like you knew what you were doing, asking him to use your pool. Like, no one has a pool you could use. Like, you had to use Zack Ryder's pool, and that's it. That's the only pool that works for your vignette of some chick at a pool. You You almost think they they do it on purpose. They have it planned. All right, we're going to ask him to use his pool. If he says Mm -hmm. no, we're going to fuck over Chelsea Green. Mm -hmm. It has to be intelligent. Because yeah. how many how many guys on the roster live in Florida and have pools? You know what I mean? I'm sure a ton. It better be all of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, anyways, we got a three-way match. I guess we're going to have a bunch of three-way matches to determine who's going to be, who's going to get to be in a ladder match for Keith Lee's vacated title. So yeah. we got to have like five three-way matches, one a week. Uh, so are you taking notes, AEW? This is how you do your women's tag team tournament. Just one a week, no more. Um, so we got a three-way between two small white guys that have no idea that they're small and a fat guy. And the fat <laughs> hey, guy wins. Uh, the, the fat guy is actually, uh, well, Bronson Reed, I think he's like 5'10". So like he's not as, you would think he was taller, but he's actually kind of a small, he's not, he's not a very tall guy. I wouldn't he's think big. he was taller. He's a, he's a fat guy. And he, and he and he wins here, so he'll be in a ladder match. Um, that was a good match. Yeah, I didn't pay attention. Um, so back to Robert Stone now. Uh, Mercedes Martinez basically punks Robert Stone into signing her to his brand, which was kind of funny. Um, yeah, speaking of odd pairings, I would have never expected that. Yeah. Well, I like the idea of her coming in and just basically dictating all her terms and him being too afraid to do anything about it and also happy to even have a new client uh but yeah all right but this this is really the main point of this show i guess really it's all it's a one match show it's it's all about 
Karrion uh, Cross versus Dominic Dijakovic. Uh, so I'll let you talk about this and anything you want to say. Yeah, it was just um, it was a good match. What I expected, hard hitting. Uh, I'm a big fan of Cross, of course. Um, it looks like it looks like they're leading to Cross and I guess Keith Lee eventually, right? But um, maybe I guess Takeover. Safe to assume. I uh, it's safe. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So what they did with the ending here. This is what I'm talking about with NXT. This is a huge problem with NXT. Is like they get real close to greatness with their ideas, and the it's the execution that falls short. But I also think that some of it is the planning. I think it goes the way they want it to go. And especially nowadays, like if it doesn't go the way you want it to go, you can just tape it again. But mm-hmm. you know, like. So they do they they basically do the whole thing where it's like um they, they want to tell the story of like I'm gonna beat up your friend in front of you and there's nothing you can do about it. And Keith Lee's wanting to stop the match, and Dijak's like, Don't you stop the match? You know, it's like the Rocky Four thing. Yeah. Um, you know, even if he kills me, don't stop it, kind of thing. And so basically, um, all I, what I would have changed here is when he drags him, like he 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 does the thing where he kicks his head in the stairs, and he's pretty much done right there. Mm-hmm. And he could have just let him lay there and get counted out, uh, but instead of that, he felt like he needed to pick up the dead body and drag it into the ring. Right, and what was weird is he put that sleeper thing on him to pull him up into the ring so i kind of felt like they could have gone in that direction and just had him put the sleeper on right there and go with that ending um and he just looks at keith lee like while he's doing it the whole time or but instead of that he pulls him in the ring and starts like getting on top of him and like throwing forearms at him like right in his you know it's weird because he's throwing working forearms, but he's doing it slowly because he wants you to feel the impact of the forearms. But it's like, if you were really throwing forearms at this guy or elbows, you would not be hitting him in the chest. You'd be hitting him in the face or whatever, but you can't do that because wrestling's not real. So you have to hit him in the chest. So it doesn't have the same effect that it should have. You know what I mean? Um, and that's I where... wish Keith Lee would have threw the towel in because uh, for the sake of not completely jobbing out Dijakovic, I think it would have made more sense for Keith Lee to kind of cost him the match. Yeah, so, well, again, this is where you come into the knockout thing where I'm like, why is the referee not stopping this? He's clearly <clears throat> defenseless. You know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. you, you, you're trying to do these things, and I know they're trying to – they want to tell this story. I know they think that they're – they're telling stories and making movies and all this other bullshit that they're doing. I'm sure they really want to be artistic with it, you know, and, and try to do something that's, you know, very cinematic, even if it's not a cinematic match, but um, there's still better ways to do it than what they're doing. Like I got the idea, they got the, basically the idea across. And I like the way, I like the way cross was very calm while he was doing part of it. But then like toward the end, he started making the faces and yelling like, 
you know, yelling at Keith Lee. And then I was like, yeah, you could have left that out. We've seen enough of that. We've seen enough big guys yelling and wrestling, you know? I think it's way scarier if you look at him like he's very calm while he's doing it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but what do I know? I'm just some guy. Um, and that, that, that sleeper he did was weird, too. Like, I don't know what, what he was doing with his hands, but uh, it looks stupid. So he should do a better one. But other than that, uh, you know, I appreciated what they were trying to do. Um, so speaking now, the opposite of appreciating what they're trying to do, SmackDown. Um, assume you just watch clips of this, right? Yeah, I watched the clips. Okay. Um, so we start out with, um, I'm Jeff Hardy and I'm an alcoholic. Okay. Uh, you forgot backyard wrestler, convicted felon and embodiment of white privilege, but okay. Uh, and then he says something about the, the, his, the, the bar environment is his newfound enemy. Um, number one, who writes this shit? Number two, how is that newfound? You just introduce yourself as an alcoholic. So how is it, how is it a new enemy to you? God damn it. Um, fucking whatever. <laughs> Some, uh, millennial of indeterminate ethnicity is ID'd as Seamus's personal bartender Jeeves. So this kid is named Jeeves. His parents named him Jeeves. Is that the only butler name you knew? Uh, was was Mr. Bootyworth not available? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was Patrick Mahomes, to be honest. Looks like Patrick Mahomes. Um, so anyway, all this stuff is just setting up the bar fight that I assume is going to be the main event on the show. Um, Nikki Cross wins a shot at Bailey from Alexa Bliss in a match that Bailey made. So not only do wrestlers make their own matches, they really do make their own matches or for other people. Bailey just said, you and uh, Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss have to have a match. <laughs> and they listened. See what, see what happens when the, when the brand doesn't have a general manager? Yeah, man. Well, I guess Bailey's the general manager. Maybe she makes all the other matches, we just don't see it. Uh, let's see. Um, the uh, original bro calls out King Corbin after making short work of that Tony Nese that you mentioned before. Um, so you just know whenever Tony Nese shows up, like he's just going to get beat by somebody. Um, uh, so then we had a, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Anything you well, want to add? I, well, I didn't hear the Corbin promo, but did he, did he uh, call riddle a little boy or anything? No, no, I guess I didn't make any notes, so he must not have said anything stupid like he normally does. It must have just been like just boring. Um, so there was a four, there was a four way with a Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado and Shorty G. And uh, I have Drew Gulak, was it? Yeah, okay. Um, I wrote down Tony Nese here, so I, I think I was confusing the earlier match. Um, okay. but I was looking at it like, well, that, there's no way he was in it. He was just in a match. Uh, but the important thing is that grand metal league wins this four way. So, um, it, it's, it's his time now, right? It's metal league's time now. I mean, he already yes. beat, he already beat a former WrestleMania headliner in the Miz. Now he's looking at the intercontinental title. Um, so watch out AJ styles. Here comes uh -huh. grand metal league. I was hoping for Shorty G, of course. You know that'd be a, one hell of a match. But uh, I'm actually excited to see Graham and Malik and AJ. I think they're going to have a good match. I'm sure they will. Well, so 
when you see a guy like when they when they just throw a guy out there like Shorty G, it's like and and he has he's been there the whole time and he's never been on the show. You just know he's not winning. But then again, what? you can say that about Grand Metal League either. Exactly. Uh, so um, uh, we get a promo from uh, Cesaro and Nakamura, and the, just the just from the amount of the promo that Nakamura cut, that may show you which of the two of them they have more confidence in speaking, which is not good for Cesaro. <laughs> um, and then you know. The cinematic bar fight. Now, when you watch clips, do you get to see like the whole bar fight, or do you just see clips or highlights of the bar fight? I think it's highlights. Uh, so <clears throat> I saw a lot of it. Uh, Sheamus looking nice and lean. Mm-hmm. Um, some, I don't know. It kind of throws me off a little bit. So when Sheamus hit him, hit Jeff with a chair. Jeff's laid out. Sheamus puts the hat over Jeff's face. Then he takes the hat off, and now Jeff has like face paint and <laughs> or different colored paint. And to me, it's kind of like ah. Uh, it just makes it seem extra fake, you know? Oh, you mean like all the Broken Universe stuff? <laughs> well, that's just ridiculous, but I don't know. I guess there's a different... I guess I can justify some forms of fakeness, but the Jeff Hardy spot to me was like, eh, I don't know. You know what really bothers you the most is when someone's supposed to be on Raw and they end up on SmackDown. That's what bothers you the most, more than all this stuff, or vice versa, you know? You're like, I thought he was on SmackDown. Why is he on Raw? I'm mad. You know, that's, that's what, that's what gets you upset. Um, but I'm glad to hear that this thing with the hat also pissed you off, but like, I can't, what, what am I supposed to say? Like every, everything about everything about all these cinematic fights and stuff is just so embarrassing, you know, with the swamp fights and the, the, um, the Viking ninjas and the, just all this shit. It's just so horrible. Like we, we can't even, we can't even, uh, well, know. also, too, so Jeff's going to do a swanton off the top of a ladder onto a guy on concrete. Like, uh, that's probably going to hurt Jeff more than the guy he's hitting, you know? Well, that's why he's landing on the guy, you know, to break the fall. And, you know, they clearly had a pad there, but you just can't see it because they, yeah, sure yeah. they made sure to get the camera angle to where you can only see, like, from the top of Seamus laying on the ground. You can't see what's under him. Mm-hmm. Here's another funny one. Like when they have a they have a little discussion before they actually start fighting, and uh, and Jeff Hardy's like, "Sobriety has changed me, Seamus." And it's like I'm I'm sitting there like, "Sobriety? What do you mean? Nine months? That's the last time you got arrested. It was nine months ago. What, what are you talking about? Sobriety has changed you. What do you mean it's changed you for nine months? For for the length of a pregnancy, you've been changed. So so the the funny thing would be if you were to legit get a DUI right now. Do they pretend like it doesn't happen? <laughs> do they do they incorporate it into the storyline? You know, like, what would they do? I wonder. You know, I don't know. Just release him. <laughs> Just got to release him, right? Like it's it's ridiculous. Like if you make it a point to make a storyline out of his uh, his alcoholism and then he falls off the wagon again, you just got to release him. Well, remember, didn't they fire Serena because she was in straight edge society? But yeah, as a gimmick, at the bars drinking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cause cause she cause she ruined the gimmick that everybody knows isn't you know like oh my god this is so uh, anyways the the main takeaway from all this is this just reminds me how wasted Seamus is no pun intended well maybe a little pun intended because I I could have said another word uh, misused or anything but like you got a Seamus there and he's in the best shape of his career you already mentioned that it's just like 
dude. And you look at him, it's like, man, he looks like somebody, you know, nobody looks like him. Um, great worker, good promos. If he's not overly written, like I'm sure if it's up to him to cut the promo, it's going to be good, but they always write his promos and you can tell he's just memorizing them, you know? And I just like, I've always been a Seamus fan and I, I feel so bad that he's not, he's not getting better material to work with. Yeah, I agree. And he's trying to, he's trying to make lemonade and chicken salad out of this, but you know, you, you can't, you just can't. And he does another job for Jeff Hardy. I assume, I assume it's a job since yeah. Jeff Hardy's the one that walked out and he didn't, but yeah. So anyway, fuck all that. Uh, let's just talk about raw instead. Um, well, I have a question. Okay. Do we clarify? Do we clarify who the real champion is or the universal champion? Is it is it the Fiend or is it Braun Strowman? <sighs> For the third or fourth or maybe even fifth time, that was a non-title Swamp match. Oh, non-title. Okay. Ugh. Well, okay. Well, what? The fact Wait. that you'd have a main event non-title match is ridiculous. Yeah, um, but it was it was a Swamp fight, so that made up for it. And I saw the uh, okay. So Big E's going solo. I couldn't help but to think, like, man, I'd love to see MVP try to recruit him for their group. That that'd be a good uh, that'd be a good fit. But Sergio, he's on SmackDown. He can't be on. I know. Yeah. Well, shit. I'm sur- I'm surprised we even say that. You, you should be <laughs> now. You're mad at yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, everybody's talking about this Big E run and everything like that, and that'd be great. Except you already forget he had a run. He was the Intercontinental Champion. But no, no one needs to remember all that stuff. Just. Just uh, you know, just go with this new this new thing. Um. So anyway, back to Raw. Uh. So, Randy Orton wants the biggest environment possible for his WWE title match with Drew McIntyre. Uh, there's only one environment though. It's that building, right? So unless they do like what we were talking about earlier, you're gonna get the same environment. Just because you put a SummerSlam graphic on the, the the polls in the Performance Center doesn't mean it's not the same building. Um, speaking of biggest possible, uh, Nia Jax returns fatter than ever. Um, I'm not going to lie. She was looking a little thicker, which I have no problem with. But uh, yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, yeah. I know you have no problem with it, but it is worth noting. Um, and Shayna interrupts Naya, not fast enough for me, but still pretty fast, uh, saying, no one gives a damn what you want. And I was like, amen, Shayna. Amen. I knew I liked you for a reason. <laughs> and then they get into a little a little scuffle uh, before the entire ref locker room empties out to break them up. You know, uh, unlike, well, well, I'll save that for later, because when I wrote that, I didn't know what was going to happen in this show. Uh, do you think, do you think, so I like the Nia Jax promo. Do you think it was written? Cause she mentioned like, Oh, you know, Drew McIntyre woke up this morning wanting a title match. And so did I, like, I felt like that was good ad lib if it was, unless that was actually written into the promo. I don't know. It's possible. I don't know if Nia Jax is really that great of a promo, but there are times when I can definitely tell they handed her a paper. And I think she can do better than that. So it's possible that I, I feel like a lot of the raw promos are ad-libbed a little bit, at least. 
I like, like her promos. She 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 comes across as like a, like a legit bitch, you know. So yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think I think if you really pay attention to everyone's work all across the show, you'll see that they may not be great promos, but they don't seem as stiff as they used to be. So I think everybody's gotten the license to get a little bit looser with the promo and maybe add some of their own verbiage as long as they get the points across. Um, and different people are more comfortable doing that than others. Like there'll be times where you like um, a good example would be like Cedric Alexander from, I guess last week. Uh, I don't remember which week it was. It was either last week or two weeks ago, but he felt like he was more comfortable saying the promo, but he threw in words that he would never say, like, you know what I mean? So those were probably like bullet points that he felt like he needed to hit, even if somebody didn't tell him so, or he couldn't come up with a better word. So he just went with the word they had, but, and I can't give you the example right now. Cause I can't remember that far back and why should I, but that's, you know, I'm just noticing that I'm noticing they're, they're a little bit, uh, looser on the script. So that's a good, um, trend that i hope we continue to see and i don't see why we wouldn't i mean the ratings only go down they don't go up so at this point you need to try whatever you can yeah um and one thing you should never try is giving dawkins a headset because my god uh this is just if you can just imagine um the worst most repetitive well, I, I'm not going to... Well, the, the main point is that the Street Profits need contenders and they will get Garza and Andrade. So that's one of the two matches for SummerSlam that we have. Believe it or not, I was rooting for Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. I actually like them as a team and I think that, that would have been a much better match. Okay. They probably would have, but maybe not. But we'll see. There'll, there'll be room for them later because yeah. if... Uh, you know, there'll always, there'll always be a, a plenty of chance for these guys to have matches. There's no reason to blow it all at once. Um, so now we've got an uh, official match with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, which is officially brought to you by Papa John Shakaroni Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was going to say, like, there may be no coincidence that Nia Jax's match is brought to you by a pizza, but um, in fairness, they did also bring the main event and at least one other match. So shakaroni pizzas for, for, for everyone, not just Nia Jax. Um, but, um, normally uh, Nia Jax doesn't give away her potatoes, but Shayna caught a couple here from no doubt. Um, there was one that like right in the face early. Uh, but being the consummate professional she is, there was no receipt. Yeah. What was the spot where they're in the ring and Nia just like, Looked like she shoot picked her up to try to throw her out and look kind of sloppy, almost dangerous. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. And you could see like Shayna was just kind of going with it, like trying to do what she could. But uh, yeah, there, it was like right right at the beginning when they first kind of got into it. Um, I saw Jax punch her right in the face. Um, <laughs> like God, how bold! You know this woman could fucking kill you, right? But, well, she's uh, a locker room. She's a locker room leader, man. My, uh, she needs stuff to pay her dues, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's gonna she's gonna pay her dues, all right. Um, so yeah. So uh, anyway, this was quickly counted out. They got a double count out here. 
and more officials poured out, including Pat Buck, who, as you said, had the worst, like, what what kind of haircut was that? Um, it was like a red mop. Yeah. It was like, was that like parted in the middle? Kind or of the side like... or something. Man, it looked like, and he, he tried really hard. It looked like it was professionally done. Like, um, who am I thinking of, man? It's hard. To, it looks like he went to the hairstylist that day and he was ready. But uh, really, he should have got a haircut. But Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I guess <laughs> maybe, maybe they shut more stuff down in Florida so he wasn't able to get his haircut. But uh, yeah. Uh... Yeah, I didn't see him grope anybody. He was kind of standing in between them and like holding his arms out. Um, but that didn't last long because uh, Nia Jax went after him and like pulled his shirt over his head. And she looked like she was peeling a banana, to be honest. Uh, and then um, it's funny, too, because the commentary refused to put Pat Buck's name over. They just kept calling him the this official. <laughs> so... If there was ever a time to grope somebody, it would have been then because he couldn't see. He had a shirt over his head. Exactly. He could have have grabbed her boobs or something. Yeah, and he was in, like, there's nowhere in the ring he could have missed groping her. Like, he could have reached out in any direction. He probably would have got it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so so we see Mark Henry chatting up Ruby and Bianca. uh, And uh, he should really be careful just in case someone tells Nia that sexual chocolate is in the building. But she might take that the wrong way. Um, all right, that's enough. No more, no more Nia Jax jokes. Uh, I'm, I'm done here. Um, so uh, here's my question. What is Seth's obsession with blinding people using stair corners? Yeah, it's a little, a little weird. What in the fuck are they doing? Like, what is, this is beyond ridiculous now. Like what? What has this got to do with anything? He puts he puts Alistair Black's eye in the stairs, and again, this is what I'm saying. Like, no referees. Eventually, they show up, but they don't. It's nowhere near as many as it was for Nia Jackson and and, uh, and Shayna, and they're doing way more violent stuff. And we've seen him do violent stuff, and he hasn't been like. There's been no repercussion for this whatsoever. No fine. No suspension. No anything. He just keeps showing up and and maiming people and everything's fine. Like the next week he just shows up like nothing ever happened. And then he just mumbles about the greater good and whatever, which means nothing. Uh, what is what is Alistair Black's eye? He made he made Murphy do it this time. Oh, so it's a little different, I guess. But like what what is this gimmick? I don't understand this gimmick. It's stupid. And they've already yeah, gone to the point about an eye for an eye match, which everybody on planet earth buried it. Like there wasn't one person that said, Oh, that was cool. Nobody thought it was cool. It was stupid. Everybody laughed at it and you embarrass yourself. And you set an all time uh, record low, you know, rating every single week. And you just keep doing this shit. Like what does Seth Rollins got to be thinking at some point? He's got to be like, yeah, I'm just, we're not doing this anymore. There's nowhere to go with this. You know, was everybody in the is everybody in the fucking company going to wear an eye patch eventually? Like, I just don't see what the <laughs> point is. Um, yeah, strange man. So, um, Mustafa Ali was there, and I said Mustafa Ali last week, and it was not a mistake. He actually got the Mustafa back. Yep. So, isn't that weird? Like, what makes them decide to bring it back? 
Right, he's had it back for a while. He just hasn't been on TV. So maybe you forgot. But he had it back since he was back on SmackDown. No, he didn't. Yeah, yeah. Really? Remember, I, I made some joke because they were getting ready to go to Saudi Arabia again, and I and I, and I said the Ali sounds too uh, too American or something. I was making some dumb joke. So this is how long he's had it back. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I'm gonna go ahead and doubt you, but in any case, um. He's a guest on the VIP lounge and he has a match with Lashley. And I actually can't believe that uh, he lost this match. Not because I think he should have won the match, but that just seems like the kind of thing they do. They bring a guy back and then he beats somebody like Lashley who has no business even lasting in the ring with, let alone beating. But uh, even though he was probably a little bit competitive, uh, he still ended up tapping out to the full Nelson. So... Just kind of yeah, makes you a, wonder, like, what are they doing? This was a good match, but it's like, I think Lashley should have won. But I've never, to me, Ali's always just been another cruiserweight. I mean, even Mick Foley was on Twitter. He was like putting over how like how much potential Ali has, but I don't. I just I don't really see it. Do you? The only really thing I noticed about Ali, who he's a good example of somebody that seemed more comfortable cutting his own promos. Right, like in this segment here with the lounge. Not, I'm not saying it's gonna set the world on fire or anything, but it's better than those promos he was doing. Right. So, uh, but yeah, the only thing I see for him is, you know, he used to do that reverse 450, and he doesn't do that anymore. So now I don't know what he's there for. Because <laughs> yeah. that was cool. Know. I never saw anybody do that. Now, now he just does a regular 450. I mean, he's a good wrestler. He he does some exciting stuff. I mean, he's got some fun matches, but I mean, I think that's the limit, you know? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And even that, I'm like, there's a bunch of other guys I would rather see do exactly what you do than you. Um, So, we get a Dolph Ziggler short interview, and this little interview summed up pretty much the issue with him not with words but with looks uh he's got shoulder length blowout hair an army camo windbreaker with a rainbow patch on a shoulder and a britney spears t-shirt yeah. like, i noticed he's got the rainbow patch on his tights too he's really he's really yeah. pushing that uh, lgbtq thing yeah well we all know that if you uh support that that means you're gay right automatically like we learned <laughs> we learned that about Finn Balor, right? I mean, if you, you know, if you support them, then you're gay, right? That's just it doesn't matter if you marry a woman, you're gay. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but I mean, you're just looking at him, and you're like, "What am I looking at?" You know, forget the rainbow patch. Just look at everything else. Like, what is this? What What is? What are you selling me? You know, you're your job as the WWE is to get me interested in buying literally and figuratively these characters. And I don't know what Dolph Ziggler is. I don't know what he thinks he is. Um, and if anybody's turning this on for the first time, they're probably not going to turn it on again. Uh, and and the, the main event, um, which he's in drew the lowest, you know, it's like one of the lowest third hours ever. Uh, so that's a shame because it was actually a good match. Well, I'll get to that. 
because I have a different take on it. But before we get to that match, we have another match with uh, Sasha Banks and Asuka, where they work very hard, and there's an awful finish. So, yeah, in this in this match, they try to do the whole oh I have to choose between my friend and the match thing. So like Bailey, uh, and Bailey and Kyrie are you know they're not supposed to be at ringside. Because even a disqualification, any kind of interference, uh, the title will change hands, which this whole thing is stupid anyways, which I already discussed last week. If you don't remember what I said, then go back and listen to it. But this ba- basically, this, this title's up in the air, and any kind of a win will um, crown a new champion. So, so it's, it's toward the end of the match, and they've, they've worked very hard and had a good match. And then at the end of the match... Um, they they cut to a, like on the Tron backstage. We're seeing Bailey is beating up Kyrie, uh, which that seems like weird in and of itself. That it's it's to the degree that in a one on one fight, like she's beating her so bad that Oscar's looking at it like she's got to drop everything and go save her friend from Bailey, right? And so basically, that's what ends up happening. She's literally got. Sasha banks in the Oscar lock and drops it because she has to go rescue her friend. So she goes to rescue her friend. Bailey runs away. Oscar gets counted out. Sasha banks is the new champion. Um, I think that was the worst finish. What did you think of the finish? <laughs> I actually liked the finish. I thought it was creative. Uh, I thought it was dramatic. I did. I thought it was a little cheesy when Kyrie was getting her ass kicked and she's, crying out for Oscar. I thought that was a little little cheesy. Yeah. Yep. But other than that, I think I appreciated the uh I liked the the drama and the creativity and I thought it was a good way for Oscar to lose and not really, you know, I don't know, not look bad. I think Sasha and Oscar have like really good chemistry. They seem to put on good matches. Yeah. Yeah, well yeah, um, I, I, didn't, I didn't I didn't hear anybody put that finish over except for myself. I thought I liked it. Yeah, it's a it's a bad finish. Um, it does not make it doesn't make Oscar look good. It would have she would have looked better just losing to Sasha Banks, you know. Uh, but the, you could have you could have come up with any number of things. But here's the thing: like we've already talked about it with the referees. So again, where are the referees now? This is backstage. They're even closer now. They don't even have to run out to the ring. So yeah. they're not they're not going to stop Seth Rollins from or Buddy Murphy from stabbing Alistair Black in the eye with stairs. They're not going to uh, save Bailey um, from uh, they're not going to save Bailey from or they're not going to save Kyrie from Bailey. But uh, God forbid that Nia Jax, who physically assaulted referees before, get into an altercation with the toughest woman they got there. They'll, they'll be out there for that to say to, you know, oh, we can't have these women having a fight. We can have women beating each other up backstage but we can't have them have a fight. I just, you can't like, this is all in the same fucking show. You you've done three instances of why is this even happening? Why is there even a cameraman showing this beating? Did anybody think of that? Why is the cameraman there filming Bailey beating up uh, Kyrie? And why are they putting that on the Tron? Why would Kevin Dunn say, Hey, put this beating up on the screen so that Oscar can get distracted. 
Yeah, why, not true. Why, why, if you're Asuka and you have As- uh, Sasha Banks in your submission, why don't you just cinch up the submission and make her quit? And yeah. then go save your friend. Like, none of it makes sense. The whole thing's fucked. Uh, but whatever. As long as you liked it, that's good. Um, <laughs> and then they also, they also uh, you know, they try to interview her and Asuka, that is. And um, she's like so mad she's screaming. And then they just fade out. Like <laughs> they fade out and go back, you know, somewhere else, go back to commentary while she's in the middle of screaming at the camera. <laughs> so why, why would you do that? Like, obviously she's still screaming. You, what if she did something else? You don't want to see that? So instead, what you, uh, easy fix for that is if she storms off camera, then it's like, okay, well, she's clearly distraught. We can't talk to her anymore. But if she's still sitting there talking and you just fade out and go to something else, that's like, what? Not even a commercial. You just went to a different part of the show. So yeah. you, I just, I don't get it, man. Like I'm getting shoot hot right here. <laughs> I, I don't understand how these people cannot think these things. <sighs> so main event. Drew and Dolph. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Huh? You forgot you forgot about WWE's best kept secret, man. What's that? Murphy and uh and um Humberto Carrillo. So the main event is Drew and Dolph. <laughs> uh do you have anything to say about those two guys? No, you know, I'm I'm a big I was being sarcastic. I'm a big Murphy fan. I I, I thought it was a good match. That was it. Big Murphy fan? Did you get a oh, Murphy's, yeah. Murphy's Law t shirt on WWE shop? Uh, I might have to get one to be honest. Uh, I don't know why his his uh, his ring gear is weird because he's got a really good physique, but he's like completely covered up. So, I don't know. Hey, I was wondering something. Remember when Murphy was struggling to meet the two hundred five uh, weight limit, and yeah. they had to like keep weighing him when he was the cruiserweight champion, and he would always come in at like two hundred three or two hundred four point nine or something like that. Yeah. Do you think that uh, Cameron Grimes is 15 pounds heavier than Buddy Murphy? Uh, I do. I, I do believe that Cameron Grimes is legit 220. Yes. Based upon seeing him next to certain guys, he has a. He's not muscular. The thing is, Murphy's really, really lean. Um, Cameron Grimes isn't. He's not like fat by any means, but he just kind of has a thicker build. A thicker build than Buddy Murphy. Yeah. Well, for example, I told you EC3 in the interview, and he's like 6'1", uh, so he weighs 210 right now. He just has no body fat on him, you know? So um, I think Murphy, you know, I believe it. I know, I know body weight, dude. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious that you don't, but uh-huh. nonetheless... Um, We'll go to uh, Drew and Dolph, finally. Now, Drew said he was going to have a stipulation, and he was going to wait until right before the match to say the stipulation. I don't really think they went with that. I'm pretty sure they just said it was an Extreme Rules match. Um, so here's the issue I have, and this is more of the Dolph Ziggler issue. This is why... It, it, it somewhat has to do with Drew McIntyre, but it's mostly Dolph Ziggler. Um, 
this is this is the portion of the show where I explain the problem with Dolph Ziggler. Finally, I mean, we made our fun with the chin clock and all these other things, and I've just. But it's time to really break it down. So, the first several minutes of this match, Drew McIntyre bludgeons Dolph Ziggler to the point that I, me, the vet, is watching it, and I'm feeling sorry for Dolph because. He hasn't done anything commensurate with receiving this beating. Um, this beating that he's getting in this match is like, it's the kind of beating that Seth Rollins is supposed to be getting. You know, the guy that's blinding everybody for no reason. Like, yeah. if someone was to beat him up like this, you'd be like, okay, yeah, I could see this. All Dolph ever did was talk a little trash and take some credit for Drew's success and come up with a match he was nearly guaranteed to win. Um, only he didn't win, so he looks pathetic. Then he begs for another match, more pathetic. Uh, he lets Drew pick the stipulation for the match, and here we are the following week and is savagely getting his ass kicked. So, like, when he takes over on Drew in the match, it's almost a relief. Like, finally, okay, the beating's over. Let him get, you know, let him get something. Um, but, you know, that doesn't last too long, of course, and... uh you know, and Drew comes back and Dolph loses again. So what use is Dolph Ziggler really? Like, what does the WWE need Dolph Ziggler for? Um, he has he has no gripe in this. He has no outs. Like, he's got no excuses for why he lost. He's got no complaints he can make. He's got nowhere to go but down from the top of the card because he's in the main event here on Raw, which is drawing record low ratings. Um he was in the main event of the most or a semi main event of a most recent pay-per-view, but still you work. You would consider that working on top. If you, if Drew McIntyre's on top, then that means Dolph Ziggler's at the top. Right. So he's, yeah, you know, he's got nowhere to go, but down now. Um, and I know that some of this stuff is out of his control. Like I'm not blaming Dolph Ziggler for the decisions that they make around his booking and stuff, but some of the stuff is not out of his control. And I don't know, if he doesn't know or if he doesn't care or if he's being directed differently or some of all three. But ever since day one, when I walked into OVW and saw some guy named Nick Nemeth slapping his leg and being boring, he's done nothing for me entertainment wise. <laughs> um, Sergio, you used to love him and he slowly <laughs> but surely lost you over 10 plus years. I'm not even sure it was that slowly. It seemed like well, yeah, you liked if... him for one moment and then all of a sudden one day you were just like, yeah. We remember back in, I think it was 08, I was saying, all right, this guy's going to be the next, you know, top guy. Uh, and he should have been. But I think, you know, it's been he's been on TV for so long, dude, you know, 12, 13 years, and he's just been really poorly booked in the main event, in the bottom of the car. He's, to, me, to me, he's like, at this point, he's kind of like The Miz, where it's just like I'm kind of just, nothing against the performer, but I'm kind of just tired of watching the same act. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like stale now. Like like Orton to me was always still for a long time, but he's kind of he's kind of he's rejuvenated himself to where now he's kind of interesting again. And I think Dolph Ziggler hasn't quite done that. Last time I found Ziggler interesting was when Drew McIntyre returned to Raw and they were together. And I and I and I, I liked them together and it was interesting to me. But otherwise, to me, it's the same old Ziggler. Uh, you know, so nothing against him. It's just the same act. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah. Um. And that's just so on top did. of everything I said is that he just hasn't changed anything he's done. Yeah. If I if I were if I were Dolph, 
I would get a haircut, change the look, and just do something completely different. You know? Well, you tried doing Maybe, that too. Remember when he got a haircut and changed the look? No one cared? Oh, oh I was actually, I, I popped for it. I'm like, oh, this is good. Because, I mean, he was stale back then. He came out with Vicky. He got his haircut. Uh, I was excited for it. Then he just, he changed it back. I guess he didn't like it, you know, but he can do a lot of, you know, he can maybe start some like shoot wrestling stable, you know, where you got Chad Gable in there and a couple other guys, like, so, I don't know, something, something different, you know? Um, but otherwise the same Dolph Ziggler right now, which is another reason why it was probably a low rating. I mean, no one, no one thinks Dolph's going to win. It was a predictable ending. Uh, we've just, we've already seen this match a couple of times, um, you know, And there was a uh, something about like Randy Orton already declared himself the next challenger to Drew McIntyre, like that that completely shit on the entire idea that uh, Dolph Ziggler might even win. He didn't yeah. say anything about like oh whoever wins tonight I want that belt. He just said Drew McIntyre I'm coming for you at SummerSlam. You know, it's yeah, like, that was funny. It's just like so that that kind of stuff is out of Dolph Ziggler's hands. But what's not out of Dolph Ziggler's hands is everything else. His gear, his matches, his fucking hair. Like everything you said, I don't think a haircut's going to save his career. But it's it's just like, but the haircut he does have is stupid. So, you know, that cha- changing that to something else uh, certainly wouldn't hurt. Um, but it's like in this match, like what I'm saying, like he's supposed to be the heel in this. And... He's like completely sympathetic because he's getting his ass ragdolled violently in an extreme rules match. So there's like weapons and shit involved. And he's just, it's like, that's not how you're supposed to feel when you're watching him get beat up. You're supposed to, you're supposed to enjoy watching him get beat up because of all the dickish stuff he's done, but he hasn't really done anything. So it's his fault for not doing anything or it's his fault for letting like not starting the match hot and just, trying to kill Drew McIntyre for the first 10 minutes of the match, which that's what it should have been. But I know in their mind, or I don't know about Drew, um, maybe he's not this big of a mark. He seems like a pretty big mark, but maybe maybe it's them saying, well, we need Drew McIntyre not to look that weak. You know, if he's going to be a strong champion. Uh, we got to do it like this and like this. But when it takes you five times longer to beat Dolph Ziggler than it does uh, Brock Lesnar, you're going to look weak regardless. So yeah, he should have never beat Brock Lesnar in five minutes in the never. first place. I don't know what that was all about. Never, never should happen. No, it's like it's it's just it, it. They don't they don't think they don't think ahead. They don't plan ahead. They don't think ahead. They don't do anything. They just it's just like week to week. But like I said, that 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 part's not his fault. But everything else is up to him. You know, he he can reinvent some of the way that he looks and the way he acts and he can control what's in the ring during his matches, you know, but in, in, at the end of the day, like his matches all tell the same story, which is, you know, I'm, yeah, I, I I can flop around the ring and sell and stuff like that, but you know, I can't, I can't get you to care about my opponent more and I can't get you to, to hate me more. He just doesn't know how to get heat. He doesn't know how to get guys over and he can have, what people consider a good match, but it's only a good match. If you never seen them before and you don't know anything about them, then you might look at a Dolph Ziggler match and be like, yeah, that match was good. But if you really know about the history of the the person and the character, then it's very disappointing. It's like, man, you 
just really don't know what you're doing, do you? But yeah, that's uh, that's Dolph Ziggler in a nutshell. Doesn't quite get it. Too um, too experienced uh, to just be cast aside, but he still hasn't learned some of the most important things about being a real, true, undeniable main eventer. There's some guys that are just going to be in the main event. And I know it's impossible to stay that way in a company like the WWE, but um, at least there's certain guys that whatever they do, I look at it and I say, well, they did the best they could. Guys like um, AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, you know, even uh, yeah, even to a de- even to a degree, a Roman Reigns. Like mm-hmm. he he doesn't do anything in his matches that make me think, "Oh, Roman Reigns, you idiot! You don't know this business. All this, whatever, you know." But um, but Dolph Ziggler's not like that. He just he just I I I I get the feeling like he's the kind of guy that doesn't understand and points the finger at everybody but himself, kind of thing. So, but yeah, that's, so that's pretty much raw. I don't have any more thoughts on that. Do you? No, that's it for me. Okay. Well, that's just going to about do it for us too this week. Um, uh, there was some new Japan stuff as well. Uh, Hiromo didn't actually beat evil for the titles. And now I guess he's, um, injured, but it might be a storyline. Uh, so He's out of he's out of action uh, until coincidentally his um, junior heavyweight title defense on August 29th. Oh, it's a very very convenient how he comes back just in time to defend his title. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so um, oh and uh, okay yeah and they had this they proposed a new sort of title in New Japan also. Uh, it's called the KOPW 2020 title and I don't know what the KOPW stands for but um it's it's like king, it doesn't, of, king of pro wrestling it could it could be it could be they just didn't explicitly say it in the press conference but it was Okada they, they made it like it was Okada's idea and he was like explaining the rules of it um but basically what happens is it's not a belt it's just like it's just like a title and you have to keep okay so each person uh like the first the first person to win this title is going to win it in a fatal four way or something and then after that anytime they defend the title uh both both participants pick their stipulation that they want for the match and then the fans vote on the stipulation so you know for example if someone picks a uh no disqualification match and someone picks a ladder match and the fans vote. And if the fans vote for the ladder match, then the title's up for grabs in a ladder match, even though there's no belt. Uh, but you know, you just know it's there. And then, so this, this is for the year 2020. And then at the end of the year, that person gets like a trophy or something. And then in 2021, there's a new, like a new title. So it, it, it's like a annual thing, but I guess you defend it all year or you can, you know, whoever wins, obviously, so, I don't know. That seems kind of oh. weird, but do you feel like they have too many titles over there? I do. I definitely yeah. do. They don't even use the ones they got, and they're making up other ones. It's like, come on, man. Just... <laughs> but um, 
hey, nobody's perfect, you know, yeah, yeah. not even New Japan. As much as I love them, even uh, they're not perfect. And there's some things that I would definitely change if I was in charge, but there'd be like minor tweaks. Uh, yeah. So that's what's going on there. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, nothing else coming up for a while. So nothing that matters anyway. Um, you didn't catch any impact, did you? No, I read the results. I saw the EC3 custom promo, which I might want to check out. Um, that was it, really. Um, oh, my God. You know what? I saw a clip of uh, Rob Van Dam and Katie Forbes. Dude, I don't – I feel bad saying it, but I don't care. I'm just going to say it. What the hell is wrong with Katie Forbes? Like, is there is there, like – I've never seen a more disgusting looking human. She, I swear she has ab implants. Like those abs are implants. They have to be. Oh. She doesn't have a single bit of muscle tone on the rest of her body, but she's got these ripped abs, like not ripped abs. They're just big. They're big abs. They look like, <laughs> it, it just looks ridiculous, man. Uh, well, she's got the, she's got the big ass too, which is probably fake. Oh, a hundred percent. But she looks like a porn star. I don't know what her history is, what her background. Has she always been a wrestling fan? I don't. I don't know. I'm curious about her. I don't know, but man, like I don't like I don't really want to. Well, I do. I, I do want to body shame people because, especially if you're mutilating your body like that, um, and it doesn't even look good, or like at least Nia Jax just keeps eating food. You know, it's not like she's going <laughs> to get surgery to add more fat. Uh, you know, if you've given up and let yourself go, that's one thing. But if you're actually spending money on plastic surgery, just so you can have like a cartoonishly big ass. And it's weird how small her fake tits are. If you're going to go that route, normally people go with the, <laughs> they go with the outrageous watermelon size fake tits, but she just has like a uh, softball size fake tits, which is very weird. And, weird. and th- I swear those abs are implants. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, that's what I saw. And just like I always say, every time I watch a clip from Impact, I regret it. <sighs> but yeah, speaking of speaking of implants, have you seen Paige lately? Oh, she's she's out there, man. The lip implants is everything. She's uh she's gone a little too far. Yeah, when they show those old footage of like, you know, when she first came to NXT and stuff, I'm like, yeah, what was wrong with that? Yeah, I agree. Seemed seemed fine then. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a problem. It's a problem in society. You know, people think they need to measure up to some standard of beauty, and they don't realize they just start looking like an inflatable doll. <laughs> so, but maybe the sales of inflatable dolls have convinced them that that's what they need to look like. Yeah, I imagine so. So, all right. Well, enough of that. Um, we're not going to solve all of the uh, self-esteem problems in the world right here on this podcast in the last two minutes. But what we can do is tell you where we can you find us on social media, which is I am at Opinion Haver everywhere. Um, and Sergio, you're at? Yeah, so Twitter, you can find me at Mr. Sergezilla and Instagram at Sergezilla. That sounds good. All right. So thanks for joining us. Be sure to tell all your friends um, that... This is a great wrestling podcast, but even if they don't like wrestling, 
or even if they only like wrestling a little bit, or if they used to like wrestling and don't feel like they like it anymore, we've got a lot of running gags and in-jokes and stuff like that to try to make it entertaining. So you don't listen every week, you might get lost, you know, just like it used to be when you used to miss wrestling for a week and it felt like the whole world was ending. Um, and now it feels like you could miss wrestling for a month and nothing happened. Um, but if you miss our show for a week, you're going to miss out on a ton of entertainment. So be sure to check us in. But for this one, uh, we have been two in and we are now out.